Good morning. Good morning to those online as well. Thank you for joining us and just taking it all in. It's good to see all of you. Um, and yes, that song, Look at What the Lord Has Done, I hope that we all have testimonies of things that we've seen God do even just this week. And I wish if we had time and had thought about it, I, I would love to have some of you sharing those testimonies. I know one of them is that the Lord put this message in my heart, and I was um, asked to speak this week at another venue, and so it was already ready. And when I heard Pastor John was sick, I texted him and said, just in case you need backup, I'm ready. I was shaking a little bit in my boots, but, and he said, five minutes ago, I heard the word that I cannot come to church. So it was the Lord's timing. Um, and I said, it is a message on hope. I know you just preached on that. And he said, that's okay. We can all use a double dose of hope this season. So um, I pray, it's my prayer, my hope that this word ministers to you today as well. And um, so hope, what is it? It sounds nice. Is it this some lofty idea? Is it really attainable um, when life feels hard, when tragedy happens, or we're struggling with health issues, or whatever it may be, can we really have hope in the midst of those things? And it's my aim that that will feel a little bit more tangible today through this process. Um, so before I start, I there should be some pads of paper in front of you in the pews. If you're online, feel free to grab a piece of paper, a pen. It may be useful to you as we go through this. Um, I'm going to share a few ideas, but I'm also, some of you may know that I work as a coach, and I lead people through intercooling prayer or listening prayer, and so I'm going to incorporate some of that this morning. Um, and so it may be helpful for you to be able to write some things down. And the first thing I want you to write down, I want you to ask yourself, how, what's uh, probably the situation that you're dealing with right now that feels the heaviest, that feels the hardest? Um, and if you were to put yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 in that situation, 10 being I'm full of hope and overflowing, 1 being I can't even see a light at the end of the tunnel, there's no, I'm hopeless. Where would you put yourself on that scale? I'm just going to give you a second. Maybe wave at me when you got your number in your head or on your paper. Where do you feel, how hopeful do you feel in this situation? Ten full of overflowing of hope. One hopeless. All right, we're there. Okay, now I want you to think of a child at Christmas time. Unfortunately, our children have already gone out, but teens, thank you for being here. How excited are you to open that gift at Christmas time? It's exciting, maybe even some of us adults if we were to admit it. It's exciting, that time together and what's gonna be under that tree and then us really good, faithful parents are thinking, oh, I hope my child's not 
getting too materialistic? They're so excited about the gifts. Are they losing the meaning of the season? The Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly that it is good for your kids to be excited about the gifts. Because if they don't know excitement and hope and expectation in the natural, how are they going to know it in the spirit? Right? Let me say that again. If we don't know in the natural the feeling of anticipation of something good or the expectation of gifts, how can we hold our hope in our spirits for the gift of Christ? 1 Peter 1.13 up on the screen and it says therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealing revealed at his coming so this verse is telling us to set all of our hope in the grace gift that comes from Jesus all our hope the Greek defines hope as expectation of what is sure or certain so it's not wishing on a star or some lofty, you know, desire in thin air, right? It's something that's sure. It's certain. It's an it's a active, expectant waiting. I'm holding up this gift as a representation. Our hope put inside this gift this grace gift of Christ, okay? Now, how do we know that that gift under the tree is gonna be good? Part of it comes down to past experience, right? The average parent knows how to give good gifts. And when the kid experiences that, it builds the anticipation for what the next to come. And I want to ask you on a spiritual, in the spiritual realm, what have you been experiencing? What's your experience been? When you have a need, when you're hurting, when you're expectant for God to move in a certain situation, what's been your experience? Has your experience been that God gives good gifts? that he's faithful with his promises. Maybe your experiences have been disappointment, ongoing hurt. And if that's the case, I would love an opportunity to pray with you after this today, to pray through that experience. And what does God want you to know in the midst of that experience? Let me ask you, what are you doing today to build experience with God, to build that real-time relationship with the Lord. Just sitting, hearing a message and forgetting it when you walk out the door, is that, does that do it? Or is it just, do we just feel good for an hour and then we go on with our busy schedules? Build experience, especially if you're in a, place, a season of uh, life's okay. I'm not feeling, you know, maybe I have hope. Maybe I'm feeling okay. 
build in those experiences with the Lord, memorize scripture, get in his presence, go out on a limb, do something scary that you feel the Lord telling you to do and watch him show up. Because let me tell you, when you experience that and then life gets hard, you know God's real and he is faithful to his promises. Um, Many of you know, but if you don't, we lost our firstborn in 2010. He was 23 months old. And I know some of you have heard me say this, um, but it bears repeating just that when you have two grieving parents, <laughs> I mean, I, it, it's incomprehensible, loss and pain. And then you're not just grieving the loss of the little one, you're grieving the loss of how the relationships shift because everybody's grieving. Um, You're grieving the loss of life as it was. Um, And I, because of that experience, I know what the scripture means when it says we grieve, but not like those without hope. Because I'm telling you, if I hadn't experienced the Lord in my past, if I hadn't seen him heal blind people, if I hadn't felt his deep love wash over me in an unexplainable way, if I hadn't experienced his provision in times where, you know, I'm a college student and I don't have money, but I'm giving to the poor anyway, and he just keeps blessing. Those real life experiences where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that was God. None of us could have worked that. That was God. That was the hope that was the anchor that held me in those deepest, darkest times. I honestly don't know that. I mean, there was lots of days where I didn't know if I could keep going if I didn't have that hope. So, we have this hope inside this gift. Now what? Hebrews Chapter 12 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That was verse 2. I want you to see this as the image of the joy set before him. Okay? He set this joy, and though he had, oh, that's right, that goes off the screen, sorry. (laughs) Though he had the cross before him, the pain, the shame, the, the unimaginable torture, the loneliness, that's not where his eyes were. His eyes weren't on the muck of the cross. His eyes weren't on trying to fix the situation. His eyes were on the joy set before him on the other side of that cross. So what what was the joy set before him? It was this picture that he had in his mind, in his spirit, of the redeemed, his children with him at the throne on the right hand of God. That is the joy that was set before him. 
These words have been ringing in my ears for six months as I've been preparing um, and, and just asking the Lord what he wanted to share about hope. That picture that Jesus had in front of him is what gave him joy. That picture was the certainty that kept his eyes focused past the pain and the shame of the cross. And likewise, we too are called to fix our eyes on Jesus and his picture of redemption. It's so easy in our life to keep our eyes fixed on how am I going to fix this financial situation? What the economy's, whatever it's doing, what am I going to do? This relationship with this person is really challenging, you know, and so we're running the conversation through our head. Well, I could say this, or I could say this, or, you know, we're, we're, our eyes, it's so easy for our eyes to get into fix-it mode, but he says, fix your eyes on me. So what does that really look like? Well, Moses gives us an example. A few verses earlier in Hebrews chapter 11, Verses 24 to 26, Moses valued disgrace for Christ above the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his reward. The Greek for look says to look away from everything else in order to look intently on one object. Moses looked away from the wealth of world systems towards a messianic future. I'm going to get on a little side soapbox here. What is distracting us? We know that screens is one of the things. It's changing the physical way our brains work and the way the neural pathways fire. And what else is distracting us? We have to put those things behind us, set aside the things that so easily beset us, and fix our eyes on Jesus. Pick one thing to look at intently. And I'm going to walk us through a little exercise where my hope is that Jesus is actually going to show you an image of where to set your mind, where to set your sights for this situation that you're going through. Um. 1 Peter 1.13, that we read earlier, gives us another clue. It says, with minds that are alert and sober. Another version says, prepare our minds for action. The Greek means think through. Basically, think about what you're thinking about. So much of what goes through our brains is in the subconscious. We don't even realize how often our thoughts are driving what we do. But yet Proverbs says, as a person thinks, so is he or she, right? So we need to learn to grab those thoughts, like take it out of your brain, put it in front of you, look at it, study it. What is this thought telling me? Is it telling me that I'm not enough? Is it telling me I'm worthless? Is it telling me God's not enough? If I, I think I said it, but both scripture and neuroscience confirm that our thoughts can actually change the neural pathways of our mind, impacting who we become. So I want you to think about imagination. 
What is imagination? Part of the thoughts that we're thinking really is our imagination, right? I remember where I was standing about 10 days ago, or 10, well, I guess it was 12 years ago, in a little house in Philadelphia Avenue <laughs> when the, I realized when I worry, that's really just my imagination getting running, uh, running away from me, spiraling down, you know? Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if, you know, we run out of money? Well, okay, what if? It's not the end of the world. Why do we tend to let our mind, our imagination spiral one way but not the other way. We used to have a mentor in the Middle East that would say, imagine your Muslim friends into the kingdom. Imagine them into the kingdom. I thought that was an interesting way of saying it. So again, grab those thoughts, grab a hold of them and say, Jesus, how do you want me to imagine this? How do you want me to imagine the outcome? 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We want to be able to imagine a kingdom outcome. Hopelessness is when we can't imagine a kingdom outcome. And when we capture the thoughts, we have the opportunity to choose which direction we're going to engage our imagination. So I want to actually walk us through a listening prayer exercise. And I've never done this with a group before where you're not giving feedback to me. So I'll, I'll be happy to hear your feedback after the service. <laughs> um, but... Use your paper if it helps you keep your mind on track. Um, and let's go back to that situation that you were thinking of at the beginning of this. I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you that you are the creator of our imaginations. You are the designer. And when we have committed our lives over to you and we've submitted to your lordship, you promise that you make us new creations and that you have given us the mind of Christ. And I pray now if anyone's here that has not done that, that they would experience you through this process today. And for those of us who have, I pray that you would redeem our imaginations, that you would guide our thoughts and our hearts through this process. So now I want you to ask yourself in this situation, what are you afraid of? A lot of times fear is underneath every situation that is hard. So what are you afraid of? And I'm asking the Lord to give you a picture 
of something that, like what does that fear look like? A picture of it or a symbol, something that represents that fear that you're feeling right now. And just wave, can you just raise your hand when you're there so I know how fast or slow to move? If you see a picture in your mind of this fear, just let me know. Now I want you to picture Jesus on the cross. Are you willing to release this fear to him? Release this picture that you see? Release it to Jesus. What does he do with it? Lord, what do you want us to know? What do you want us to know about how you've responded to our need? And do you have anything that you want to give us in return? Will you give each person here each person watching online, will you give them a picture of what you want to give them in exchange for this fear? And what do you want us to know? Is there anything else you want us to know about that? And when you're done, you can go ahead and look at me. So let's go back to that original thought. What are you afraid of? How can you change that? How can you reframe that thought? For example, if it was, I don't have everything I need, or I might not have everything I need. Maybe there's something that in that picture that God showed you that speaks truth to you. And I want to assure you, too, I'm, you might be thinking, well, how do I know this thought was from God? Well, we are made in his image. And I believe that when we submit ourselves to listen to him, he speaks to us. He doesn't try to make it challenging or difficult. He wants to communicate with us. Um, and if you're still not sure, it, of course, you can always check what you hear, what you see with scripture and with your brothers and sisters around you. So again, how can you reframe that fear? Maybe it's something he just spoke to you. Maybe it's a scripture. First Peter says, I have everything I need for life and godliness. That's been one of the ones that I've been standing on the last year, over and over and over. Every time I start to think, well, I, I don't know if I can do that. Is that too much money? Or I don't have energy for that. Just remind, reminding myself that I have everything I need. Because I'm Christ, he promises everything I need for life and for godliness.
So what's that thought that you can replace? And then again, how does that make you feel? If you're to stand on that thought and think that thought more often than you were thinking the other thought, how would that make you feel? Physically, emotionally. Maybe you feel lighter, less tense, more confident, more peace. Write it down if you're still taking notes. How does it make you feel? And when you feel that way, what does it make you do? Does it make you want to jump into the word, read some more? Does it make you want to go engage with that tough relationship instead of withdraw? Does it suddenly you have creative ideas for a new business venture or a new way to budget your money? How we think impacts what we do and what we do impacts the outcome of the situation. So I want to ask you now, how much, where would you put yourself on scale, on that hope scale that we started with? Where would you put yourself now after walking through that? 10 was full of hope and overflowing, and one was hopeless. Has it moved at all? Raise your hand if your number went up. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, as we close here, I want to invite, if you are at a level 10 hope or a level 9 and or you're on the prayer team and you'd like to come up, I would like to invite you to come up. And we're going to have a time of prayer. And if you're not at a level 9 or 10 on hope, I want to invite you to come up here and we want to pray for you. We want, our, we want to see you living in the fullness and the wholeness of who Christ has designed you to be and the plan and the purpose he has for your life. And we all get hit with hard stuff and struggle to feel that hope. And I would love an opportunity to pray with you. Um, so as the music plays, um, I just, again, invite the prayer team to come up. You're welcome to find someone to pray with on the prayer team or pray by yourselves as you like. You stand.